Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 98, and today we are talking about books released on March 14th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Chinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi there. Uh, before we get started, can I do some shameless uh, kind of self-promotion? You should. Okay. We are doing a limited edition t-shirt in the Book Riot store um, that says Nolit Te Bastardis Carborundurum, which is Don't Let the Bastards Grind You Down, famously from The Handmaid's Tale. It's pretty awesome. It's only available to order through March 24th. Uh, we have it in a traditional crew neck style and in a nice, comfy, like loose fit uh, for women, which I love. Uh, and it's only 24 bucks. So check out store.bookriot.com. You'll see it right on the homepage, or there'll be a link in the show notes here that you can click and go straight to it. If you want one, you can only get one between now and the 24th. So get on that. They're pretty awesome. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of sort of readerly resistance stuff at Book Riot, more than we already are, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, and that's starting to make its way over to the store. So I'm thinking about these kinds of things. Um, maybe you guys don't know that I also run the Book Riot store if you're listening uh, to this. So that's part of my job. Um, but these shirts are awesome. Our designer, Scott, did a really great job. Uh, and we're hoping to do more sort of limited run items like this in the future. So take a look. Let us know if you like it or not. We've sold a bunch already. Again, it'll be at store.bookriot.com. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. Can I ask you an unrelated book question? Uh-huh. Um, have you ever tried to throw away a rock? Have I ever tried to throw away a rock? Yeah, like right before I called you, the, you know how I wear combat boots? And uh-huh. they pick up a lot of little rocks in the oh, trash. Oh, yeah. And I looked looked down and there was a rock on my rug and I was like, oh, and I went to throw it in the trash and I couldn't do it. It didn't feel right. <laughs> I'm and it made me feel that. weird. I was like, this is like actual litter yeah. that you can put outside. Like, what are you doing? Right, and this I is nature. Why am I throwing away nature? I don't know if I actually have tried to throw away a rock. We have a bunch of pebbles out on our back patio that sometimes also make their way into the house. Um, but I think they just like get, you know, relocated back outside at some point. Yeah, I couldn't do it. So anyway, that's that's my rock story. I feel really weird now because of it. That's okay. Should we tell our weird coincidence story from last week? Please do, because I cannot get over this. So um, Friday afternoon, I had the first sitting for a tattoo that I'm getting, and it was the first one that I've gotten from this particular person. And so we were doing the usual like get-to-know-you chat that you do when you're going to be sitting with a person you don't know for several hours in like a very physically intimate way. Uh, and I asked her where she was from and if she had always lived in Richmond, and she said that uh, she was born here, but she grew up in a small town in Maine. 
And I, you know, asked her which small town. And when she said which small town, I was like, oh, you know, one of my best friends and coworkers is from that small town also. Uh, and she asked for her name and I said, it's Liberty Hardy. And she went, oh, I know who Liberty Hardy is. I can't, I can't get over that. Like her older siblings were in like literally in the same classes with you. Yeah. So crazy. It's a small world. I'm sure that they're like, if we wanted to do the math about the degrees of separation, we could figure out really how big or small of a coincidence this is. But it felt, I was like, what? I remember I was sitting there texting you. You're not going to believe this. Yeah. I can't get over it. I mean. It's so weird. There aren't that many, like compared to other professions, there probably aren't that many tattoo artists in the world. I mean, in the country, I should say. Yeah. No, I mean, in Richmond, there's a ton of them. Yeah. Um, but, but the likelihood of me, ugh. like, finding the one in Richmond whose, <laughs> whose brother was in your class. Nuts. Completely nuts. I know. So, really weird. So we just, yeah. I, I, I felt like, oh, good, the universe is smiling upon us again. Yes. <laughs> we were meant to be together. Would you like to hear about my first book? It's completely nuts. I super nuts. would. Please tell me. It's White Tears by Harry Kunzru, and it's... So good. It's probably my favorite book of this week. It's about two 20-something hipsters in New in New York City. Um, we get their backstory. They meet at college. Seth is the narrator for the most part. He's kind of a loner. His mother died while he was in high school. He had a really hard time with it. He started um, fixating on sounds and listening to the noises around him. Um, and he, he reminds me a lot of Richard in The Secret History because he befriends uh, a very rich boy named Carter who has it all and like everybody thinks they're he's cool and strange and and Seth just can't believe he's his friend um Carter like I said he belongs to this very 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 wealthy family but he's kind of like trying to pretend like he's not part of it and he tells everybody that oh they've disowned him like he wants everybody to think he's like poor and he's he does a lot of drugs, and he has dreadlocks. Um, so you have these two white guys in New York City. Um, they they become best friends, and they become best friends because Carter is also fixated on sounds and music, and he only wants to listen to music by African Americans. The older, the better. Pretty soon, he stops listening to anything like after like the Great Depression. Um, and he collects these records, like these very rare records. And Seth, you know, just loves this. He loves sounds. Um, Seth spends a lot of his time. He has rigged it so that it looks like he's walking around with earbuds in, but he's actually turned them into microphones. And he records people's conversations and, like, the noises of the city. And he understands that it's, it's a little creepy, like he's sort of spying on people. But he likes to take them home and incorporate them into their music and... They get a studio together. They start working as producers after they graduate college. And, like, one of their customers is a white rapper from Maine, which makes me laugh really hard. And, he, you know, he just really wants to be a rapper so bad. And, like, he he wants to do a cover, a cover album of African-American songs because he thinks, like, this was his past lives. Like, he's ridiculous. Like, it's this kind of stuff. And he wants them to do their, the sound for them. Um, so they're, like, living this, like, fancy partying, drug, druggy lifestyle and one day while uh, Seth is walking around, he records this snippet of a blues song sung by a guy near some chess players in the park. Um, and But then when he gets at home and he plays it again, he hears that there's more of that song. And he's like, why didn't I notice that the guy sang the whole song when I 
when I heard it. And then he plays it for Carter, who becomes completely fixated on it and takes it, gives the musician a fake name, a fake date, and puts it out on the internet saying, like, this is a very rare recording that came out in the 1920s by an artist named Charlie Shaw. And Seth's like, you know, that's complete, that's a lie. Like, what are you doing? But they get, they are contacted by a man who claims to know the singer. He's like, I know Charlie Shaw. I know that record. And they're like, well, this is crazy because we just made this up and whatever. Um, But he wants to meet with them. And what starts out as a mystery quickly devolves into a horror story. Like, this book um, is very intense and it gets really weird. And it's just a fantastic, like, harrowing nightmare of the consequences of their lies And it's a brilliant meditation on cultural appropriation. Like, Seth learns the hard way um, what it's like when people treat you like you're not a human or a citizen or make decisions for you that you, like, don't, you don't, and nobody believes you. Um, It's just this, like, it turns into this nightmare um, about cultural appropriation. But, like, it never beats you over the head with that. Like, you're not reading it going, like, oh, he's really making a point here. Like, you don't, it it just slides right by because it's so fantastic. It's so well written. It reminds me a lot of Victor Laval, um, mm. the writing, like, reminding me a lot of Devil in Silver. And it has, like, this shifting time, like, um, time sort of goes back and forth towards the end, and the narrative shifts a little bit. It's so trippy and smart, and I loved it. Again, it is called White Tears by Harry Kundrew. I had my eye on that one, but it really sounds like it was a good fit for you. Oh, it's so good. I didn't like. I, did. I didn't know anything about it when I picked it up. I was just like, "Oh, I love this author. I'm going to read this." And then in the middle of reading it on Twitter, I saw somebody be like, "Oh, it's a horror story," and I was like, "Oh, I can't wait!" And yes, it <laughs> perfect. is. That's perfect. The daylight saving time switch just sort of ruined my mojo for the weekend, so yeah. I didn't get as much read as I wanted to. But I did plow through my first pick this week, The Wanderers by Meg Howry. Uh, this is continuing my kick on like books in space or kind of about space, I guess. Um, the Wanderers is set in the near future. We don't know exactly when, but there's a for-profit, like a, a company, not a government organization, that's going to send people to space. Uh, it's called Prime. I read it as kind of an, a fictional analog of uh, Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX project. Uh, and Prime is going to send people on a mission to Mars four years from now. Like that's where we are in technology. They're building things. They're ready to do this Mars mission. But what they want to do in the interim four years is as realistic a simulation as possible so that all of the Prime employees can really perfect the systems and like the environment inside the spacecraft for the astronauts and make everything function optimally and like really understand what the experience is like for them and what they can do to make it psychologically better. Like they're projecting different images onto the spaces where there would be windows, uh, but where there's nothing to see, they project something and like the lights change colors to affect their moods at different times of day. And uh, they exercise while doing like terribly realistic virtual reality kinds of things where they can even pipe in like the smell of an alpine lake. Um, So we get to meet the three astronauts who have been selected to go. Uh, There's Helen, Yoshi, and Sergei. Helen is a woman in her late 50s, early 60s. Like, uh, There's a line in the book about if you were going to select a one-woman astronaut for a three-person crew, she is obviously the one that you would pick. She's sort of an icon, uh, very professional, very good at her job, has a complicated relationship with her daughter, who uh, has always thought that her mother was unfeeling or not feeling enough, like a 
little too distant and professional. Uh, then there is Yoshi, who is dealing with issues with his wife, where uh, they're not sure if they're going to have children or not. He would make the decision if she would just like let him know what she wants to do already. Um, and then Sergei is the Russian cosmonaut, and he's divorced. He has two sons. One of them is gay, but thinks his dad doesn't know it yet. And Sergei is wrestling with how to be a good dad while also being in space for a lot of the time. Um, so we get to spend time with the three of them and also a bunch of the family members and one of the prime employees. It's a great carousel of different narrative perspectives, which I just love in fiction. Um, but we see them we see the three astronauts go through these hyper-realistic simulations like they spend 17 months in a spacecraft that's like sitting in the desert in utah um which is the place that prime has found to best imitate what it will be like to be on mars and then when they step out of the craft there are like basically virtual reality projections that go into their helmets to make it look to them like they actually are walking on mars like the imaginary technology in the book is really amazing um but it's mostly about these three people and then their families and what they find out about themselves when they go through this very difficult experience. Like there's sort of the mind foxing element of the astronauts all know that everything that they're experiencing is a simulation, but it's supposed to be as real as possible. So they're trying to feel it as if it's real, but also they're amazed by the technology that's able to create these fake things. Um, they wonder about what it's actually going to be like when they go for real. Like, I think it's Helen at one point worries, if I feel everything about this journey to Mars while we're going to fake Mars, what will I have left to feel when I'm on real Mars? Like, will it take away some of the wonder? Uh, and they don't actually go to Mars in the book. Like, they, we, you never get to the mission. The whole thing is about the preparation for the mission and sort of the the journey to get ready for the journey um, in both the really literal sense of the journey to Mars, but also sort of the journey to finding themselves. I think there's a line in the synopsis that says something about like inner space is more fascinating than outer space. And it really is that it's about what these people find when they look really carefully within themselves in a situation where they have no choice but to do that. The writing is gorgeous. There are just really show-stopping sentences um, and really equally show-stopping insights about humanity, um, our fears, the things that drive us in relationships and in our careers, the things that we want but that we're afraid of. I just really really loved it. Um, Meg Howery's attention to the details of people's inner lives really is as careful as her attention to the details of space travel. Uh, and it's it's just an excellent, excellent read. One of my favorite novels of the year so far. So that's The Wanderers by Meg Howery. I like space novels. I know, me too. And it, like, it's kind of not really a space novel because they're in the desert in Utah, but it's about yeah. space. Yeah. Um, about I that really, drive to like, go out there. I really liked uh, Shine, Shine, Shine. By oh, Lydia yeah. Netzer, because it's mm -hmm. like kind of about space, but not really. There's some space. Yeah. I really enjoyed that too. I'm looking. I haven't one. read The Wanderers yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. 
Well, do you want to hear about our first sponsor before we keep going on books? Yes, please. All right. We have Playster back this week. Playster is the world's first all-in-one entertainment service. It takes care of everything for you, ebooks, audiobooks, music, movies, TV shows, and video games, and it gives you unlimited access to millions of titles for just one flat monthly fee. That's right. With Playster, you can get unlimited audiobooks and ebooks. There's no restrictions, no credit systems like some of the other services you might have heard of. The Playster service is accessible through all web browsers as well as their own Android and iOS apps on virtually any device. And there's an offline mode that lets you save your favorites for on-the-go reading when you don't have internet access around. That is super convenient. If you sign up today, you would get a free 30-day trial normally. But since you're listening to all the books, you can sign up using the special promo code BOOKRIOT90, all one word, to get a 90-day trial for free. And this promo is only good through April 3rd. So do that now. Go to Playster and sign up for your free 90-day trial using the promo code BOOKRIOT90, all one word, for a free 90-day trial through April 3rd. So thanks to Playster for sponsoring. Excellent. All right, lady, what's next? My next book is Himself by Jess Kidd. And I'm really worried I'm going to say something that will spoil it. So I'm going to try really hard not to do that. Um, let's start with the cover. The cover is so beautiful. It has a bee on it and all these little leaves that are like metallic-y, green, shimmery, and I love the cover so much. I posted it on Instagram. Um, I'm going to just shamelessly plug my Instagram account now. You can follow me. Franzen Comes Alive. Um, I like to post lots of book stuff, but I made a little boomerang and I've been watching it over and over. I'm like, are you supposed to watch your own boomerangs this much? I don't know. Um, but it's so shiny and pretty. But now, about the book itself, it is about a 26-year-old man named Mahoney. It takes place in Ireland. Um, It's 1976. He turns up in a sleepy village and starts talking with a bartender. And it turns out that when Mahoney was a baby, he was left at an orphanage. And when he was an adult, he found out through a note that one of the nuns gave him that uh, there was a note attached to him when, when he was left at the at the convent that uh, tells him where he came from, the village that he's now in, um, and that the death of his mother might have been foul play. So he decides he's going to go to this village and learn the truth for himself. So he goes to the village of his birth to find the answers, and he takes a room at a local B&B, or sort of like, um, she just sort of lets rooms them. And he befriends a couple of the locals, including this really eccentric old lady that is so going to be me someday. Like, she has her own room, but you have to, like, walk through these, like, floor-to-ceiling high stacks of books to, like, get to her. She's, like, in the very middle of the room, and there's hardly any room to move because it's all full of books. And I was like, I love her. So she was already my favorite character. Um, (laughs) But... You know, his arrival also causes some suspicion and hostility among some of the the locals because let's not forget that someone or someones are responsible for the death of his mother. So he's been told, um, and he but he's determined to solve the puzzle. He's not going to let anything get in his way. And there's also something special about Mahoney, which like. I wouldn't read any reviews of this book because some people mention it and I think it sort of ruins it. And even though, like, this specialness becomes apparent in the first few pages, like, I just liked not knowing that going into it. Um, It has a lot, but I'll say it has a lot of fantastical elements. 
It's sort of like a fairy tale. And the intro, which is the death of his mother, is really intense. Like, you remember reading fairy tales when you were little? Like, the actual fairy tales that weren't watered down for kids? And you're like, this is horrible and violent and wow. I like this version much better. Um, it's sort of like that. Like, the death of his mother is very intense. I was like, that's terrible, but it's quick. And then you move on to, like, when he's a grown-up. And it's just really funny and original and magical. And I absolutely loved it. Um, this is Jess Kidd's debut novel. And I was reading in her bio, it says that she wrote her dissertation on the melding of genres in crime fiction. And I was like, I want to have drinks with this woman. So. If you break up with me so that she can be your new co-host, I totally understand. <laughs> I was like, she sounds so cool. Um, but again, it is called Himself by Just Kid, and it's awesome. Oh, nice. My next pick is a memoir called The Rules Do Not Apply. It's by Ariel Levy. Um, and it has, what the thing that got me to pick this up initially is the Cheryl Strayed blurb that's on the front cover. Like it showed up in the mail and I was like, oh, Cheryl Strayed read this book in one sitting, sold. Um, it's very different from Cheryl Strayed. So don't go into it expecting to have like a very heartfelt empathy moment for the writer. Uh, and I think when we were talking about it offline, you were saying that like you had heard that some people were having difficulty with the book. And I think I understand that now that I've read it. I really liked it. Uh, but it begins with her uh, sort of pulling away from her house. We know that her child is dead and her spouse is gone. Uh, and she is a mess as a person would be in that moment. Um, but then sort of rewinds back to how her life got to that point. And we see her sort of young adulthood, early adulthood, um, I guess like sort of up into her 30s moment of um, a history of really obsessive, explosive relationships, addiction to substances and to lust. Uh, at one point, she has like a very hot uh, but very wrong affair with a person while she is uh, deeply, so supposedly deeply committed to a life partner uh, that she has, or to, I think they're married at that point. Yes. Um, she like knows she shouldn't be doing, but can't seem to stop herself and feels great and feels bad. And there's just all of this turmoil as, as there is in situations like that. Um, and and it's really, really honest. Uh, it's uh, very honest. It's very raw. Um, there is a like sort of graphic miscarriage on the page in the book, so trigger warning if that uh, is something that is hard for you to read about. Um, I was not expecting it, and I had to take some deep breaths. And it, it's one of those, you know, like Ariel Levy in this book is really unlikable. Um, it's not a memoir that you're going to walk away from probably wanting to be her best friend. And so in that way, like, I think that's where the Cheryl Strayed thing sort of caught me of like, wow, this is a really brave, honest book, but it's brave and honest in a really different way from like tiny, beautiful things where you come away like, oh, she's so wise. Um, you're, you're going to feel differently about Ariel Levy, but she's done, I think, an equally remarkable thing by putting that all out there, especially um, for a woman writer, that's a huge risk. And I talked about it some when Jessica Valenti's memoir, Sex Object, came out, that um, this is a really, I think, bold thing for a woman writer to do, is to put all of their stuff uh, out there and risk unlikability. And she's an unlikable narrator of her own life story, but it's because she's so brave. I think if we all put our own stuff out there, we'd all come off as equally unlikable. Everybody has their junk. Uh, so I really appreciated how she did that here. And then she draws these very now insightful connections because she's had enough distance. You know, like you don't write your story about these things while you're in the middle of it. Um, she's had some distance to figure out 
what was really going on when she was making these terrible decisions? What was she trying to get um, or work her way through? Or how was she broken and that she needed to figure out how to repair herself? Um, it's it's beautiful in that respect and sort of in its warts and all approach to, to showing her own humanity. So I really appreciated it. I did also read it very quickly, not quite one sitting uh, like Cheryl's trade, but very quickly. And I did really love it. I think that Ariel Levy has done something with this memoir that uh, women writers don't often get to do uh, in just really being raw about uh, her life and the very unattractive uh, parts of it. Uh, So again, it's called The Rules Do Not Apply. It's by Ariel Levy. Nice. Okay. Time for another sponsor. Talking about women doing bold things. Uh, The book that we have next sponsoring is called Why We March. It's from Artisan Books. And this is a celebration of the Women's March that happened on January 21st of this year when millions of people gathered worldwide for what is one of the largest demonstrations in political history um, to raise their voices in hope, in protest, and in solidarity. Um, I was at the march in Washington. It was all of those things. This book, Why We March, collects 500 of the most eloquent, provocative, uplifting, clever, and creative signs from across the United States and around the world. Each one is a powerful reminder of why we march. And as with the recent battle cry, nevertheless, she persisted. These messages continue to reverberate daily and to fortify a movement that will not be silenced. The book is awesome. Uh, There were like way more than 500 memorable signs at the march in D.C. alone. Uh, And I remember the day after seeing coverage of the marches all around the world and the other clever signs that had appeared there. Um, And you really do get the full gamut of like very serious and poignant messages and also just clever, hilarious messages um, that are a reminder of the variety of women and our allies and the things that we are standing up for now. All of the royalties from the sale of this book are being donated to Planned Parenthood. So it's a great coffee table book. It, It would be a great gift, like buy a bunch of them and give them to all of your girlfriends and know that you're supporting an excellent cause. Uh, when you do that as well. So the book again is called Why We March. It's out now from Artisan Books. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous and important collection. So we'll have a link in the show notes uh, as well as you can just find it wherever books are sold. Thanks again to them a lot for sponsoring. I was really excited that we were going to get to talk about that one today. Speaking of words and printing and signs. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I got a twofer. I see what you're doing there. I'm trying. This is a stretch, but I got I got an epic nerd per twofer today for book lovers. Um, the first is Word by Word, The Secret Life of Dictionaries by Corey Stamper. Corey Stamper is a lexicographer at Merriam-Webster, uh, one of the people leading the Twitter revolution right now, the resistance on Twitter, Merriam-Webster. If you haven't checked out their Twitter <laughs> feed, Who it's, thought? <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, and Word by Word is a fun and fascinating look at how dictionaries are made, which might sound dry and boring, but it's not at all. It's about, like, how they agonize over what words are added and what words they decide to take out and which usage and which definitions to include and which examples. Um, and she just does all this in, like, a really funny and irreverent way. And then she also adds little-known facts, like... Did you know that OMG was first used in a letter to Winston Churchill in 1917? Like, the fact that there is so (laughs) much information out there in the world and that they can, like, trace something back to being that specific, like, just blows my mind. I love stuff like this. Um, The other book is called Printer's Error. 
I can't speak now. Irrelevant Stories from Book History by (laughs) J.P. Romney and Rebecca Romney. And this is a bunch of, like, pretty crazy stories from the history of the printed word. Like, starting with the fact that, like, Gutenberg, um, they mentioned that, like, his name wasn't even, there's, like, the Gutenberg's Bible. His name wasn't even on it for, like, hundreds Mm -hmm. of years. And then somebody finally figured out, like, oh, hey, we should, you know, put his name on it. But it was too late for him. Um, The person who financed his printing press actually sued him because Gutenberg didn't make any money, got the printer back. He repossessed the printer and he started his own printing press, which oh seems like he's like, I'm going to take your idea. Um, and but like people don't know that they just think like, oh, Gutenberg is the father of Western printing. You know, that's all they know about him now. Um, it's a book full of like shady dealings and theft and counterfeiters. Like this is back before the Internet, you know, back before you could like look and see, you know, if someone is copying your writing just by doing a Google search or, like, looking on eBay to see if someone is selling your stuff that they shouldn't be selling, you know? Like, this happened to people all the time, and there was nothing that they could do about it. Um, And there's, like, a chapter for font enthusiasts about Dove's font and called When Doves Cry because, of course, always use the (laughs) Prince reference when you can. Of course. Always. And, you know, Shakespeare gets play. Um, Ha, 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 ha. Uh, the, you know, like all the all the literary stuff that you love and little tidbits of great facts. So much fun. Um, it's just really nerdy and exciting facts about books being made and things like that. Again, the books are called Word by Word by Corey Stamper and Printer's Error by J.P. Romney and Rebecca Romney. I cannot think of anything better for you than like a word nerd punny book. It's pretty good, but wait till you find out what I'm reading now because that might be my oh. wheelhouse perfectly all right is it about cannibals <laughs> it's about cannibal to operate printing presses <laughs> <laughs> all right my next pick is one that came out on march 7th but did not make its way to my doorstep until after march 7th but as we know from last week's episode that was a huge week for new releases so i'm just going to be incorporating march 7th books into the show for a while now i think um but this is called stressed unstressed classic poems to ease the mind uh it's pretty perfect uh and i've been flipping through it there's an introduction by jonathan Bate, and then the book is divided into 12 sections uh for what you're trying to achieve in the moment stopping composing meditating stress beating remembering releasing grieving feeling alone, living with uncertainty, moving on, seizing the day, and positive thinking. Uh, And so you flip to the section that you want. Like if you want to flip to stress beating, you go to that page and there's a little, uh, like a little miniature essay about that idea, what you're like, every moment of our lives is governed by rhythm. Uh, and then what you're trying to do with stress beating, and it explains what the different poems are. But this, it's just an anthology of great poems that if you spend a little time with them, you will hopefully feel less stressed out than you felt before you started reading. Um, I've mentioned on the show that I've been reading a little poetry every day so far this year. I'm still doing that. And it's been, it is a really lovely couple of minutes that I look forward to every day. Um, I've gotten some emails from some of y'all wondering like what else to pick up after you read all of Mary Oliver. Uh, And so this collection showed up and seems like a nice way to discover some new poetry. Uh, Like anything else, you're not going to like all of them. But if you just like if you find, you know, a dozen new poets to like, that's a huge win. Uh, So again, the collection is called Stressed Unstressed Classic Poems to Ease the Mind. It came out last week, so you should not have any trouble finding it. 
Stress beating sounds violent. <laughs> like it sounds like when you're really mad and you hit your pillow. <laughs> it, it kind of does. Yeah, they maybe needed a little uh, editorial assistance with the <laughs> with the subject headings. Oh wow! So, but the rest of it is lovely. I should have chosen a different example. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just thought it was funny. It I was is. Like, stress beating. I do a lot of stress eating. Is that like yeah. this, that's kind of like the same thing? Wait, that's the um. What's the poem about how eat, having eaten the plums or whatever that were in the icebox? Yeah, the William Carlos Williams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why, like, I I really just prefer not to have food in my house because I will eat it all. I'm like at the point now where all eating is stress eating. So yeah. that's what that's what my winter's been like. <laughs> so hibernation. I miss the cats. Um. So now, <laughs> just kidding. Um, it is time for ching shopping list. Liberty shopping list. We, we, I we need I, like sound effects for that. I know I'm really bad at them. I'm sorry. Not good at my my cash register sound effects. <laughs> no, Do they it even was make good. those noises anymore when you use them. Probably not. Maybe Kyle will throw in a cash register sound oh, for us that here. Would be great. <laughs> that would be Kyle, the person who has to put up with us. Our all. lovely editor. <laughs> Our lovely editor. So, I have a shopping list of things that I want to pick up next, which I am very excited for. The first being The Dress Lodger by Sherry Holman. Came out many years ago. I know it was big at the time. I didn't get to read it, but someone recommended it to me when I was really into historical murdery books, which I still am, but haven't mentioned lately. Um, it's a historical thriller. I am looking forward to it. I read her book about the witches, which I really enjoyed. Um, I, I want to pick up My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris. It's a graphic novel uh, that came out a couple weeks ago. It's huge and gorgeous, and I had a chance to look through it, and I'm sad that I didn't pick it up at the time. It's, it takes place in 1960s Chicago. It's a 10-year-old girl who's trying to solve a murder, and she's keeping a diary, and all the illustrations in the book are, like, on notebook paper and, like, crazy, crazy little doodles and all this stuff. It's so cool looking. I really need it. Um, I want to read Beggars in Spain, which was recommended to me by a listener uh, by Nancy Cress. I've never read her. I know she's very famous in the sci-fi fantasy world, and this book won the Hugo and the Nebula. I want to pick up The Lost City of the Monkey God, a true story by Douglas Preston, which basically sounds to me like The Lost City of Z, one of my favorite books. It's about how, like, for hundreds mm. of years, nobody knew where this wealthy lost city was. Um, until 1940, when some journalist claimed to have found it, but then killed himself before he told anybody where it was. And Douglas Preston kind of goes and investigates. Um, and if it's like Lost City of Z, that's fine. You know, as long as it's good, I'm all for it. Um, if you've not read Lost City of Z, go out and read it right now. We'll wait here for you. Um, I want to pick up A Taste of Honey by Kai Ashante Wilson, which is a Nebula-nominated sci-fi novella. Sounds fantastic. Uh, the Best We Could Do, which an illustrated memoir by Tai Bui about the refugee experience, which looks absolutely beautiful and heartbreaking. Um, Miranda and Caliban by Jacqueline Carey, which is a retelling of The Tempest from Miranda's point of view. And a book that is already in paperback, which I didn't hear about in hardcover. I don't know. I missed this. This sounds like something you would want to read, too, called Strangers Drowning, Impossible mm. Idealism, Drastic Choices, and the Urge to Help by Larissa McFarquhar. Oh. It's about, she, like, talks to people who 
um, adopt, you know, 20 children and people who give away their life savings to people who need medicine and like people who feel guilt and like how we choose to like what we spend our money on. Like, should we donate our money or should we use it for ourselves? And like some people who get very anxious about these decisions and just like the people who feel inclined to help and people who don't like look at all of that sounds really fascinating. So those are the top of my list. Like I say shopping list, but like my, my list, like I keep a journal. It's like pages and pages and pages of books that I want to get. Um, but these are the ones at the top. So there you have it. Cash register nice. noise. Cha-ching! <laughs> Um, my last pick is one that I was going to read this weekend before the spring forward completely stole my mojo and I just wallowed around watching Netflix instead. Uh, it's called Swimmer Among the Stars. It's a collection of short stories by Kanishk Tharoor. Um, I have only heard a little bit about this collection and that's really the way that I like to go into especially reading writers that I have not experienced before. Um, here is the jacket copy. Uh, in one of the singularly imaginative stories in this collection, despondent diplomats entertain themselves by playing table tennis in zero gravity. For after rising seas destroy Manhattan, the United Nation moves to an orbiting space hotel. <laughs> Okay. Uh, in other tales, a team of anthropologists treks to a remote village to record a language's last surviving speaker intoning her native tongue. An elephant and his driver cross the ocean to meet the whims of a Moroccan princess. And Genghis Khan's marauding army steadily approaches an unnamed city's walls. Uh, so the stories are supposed to really you know, mix literary conventions and defy them and also cross from ancient history up to current events and all obviously some futuristic things if the, U <laughs> if the UN is orbiting in a space hotel, um, but to look at sort of timeless human truths by taking that approach. Um, I love a collection of short stories, especially something that's a little, uh, you know, weird and futuristic. So I'm definitely going to get to that one at some point. Uh, again, it's called Swimmer Among the Stars, short stories by Kanishk Tharoor. Nice. So what yes. did you watch on Netflix? Like this and that, a whole bunch of random things. I was like, I don't know what that is. What's that? Oh. <laughs> what is this and that? Actually, it was HBO Go. Um, Bob and I are re-watching. I'm re-watching and he's watching for the first time Veep. Um, so oh. we've watched like a jillion. It's kind of a moment of alternate history. Like just imagine <laughs> that there's a really profane female president. <laughs> That'd Not that cool. Hillary. Yeah, I'm here for it. Uh, it's helping me exercise some demons. I loved it the first time I watched it, but it's uh, especially fun right now. And it's fun to, you know, watch a funny show with someone who hasn't seen it before discovering that it's funny. So I just watched a million hours of Veep. Um, Sounds good. It, I don't, I, I'm not sad. So those are new books and some also new, but slightly less new books this week. What are you going to read next? I'm reading Midnight in America. Darkness, Sleep, and Dreams During the Civil War by Jonathan White. Basically, I saw this in the catalog, and I emailed them immediately and said, please, 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 can I have this? I will have a million of your babies and do your laundry, and please send this to me. And they were like, here you go. Please don't ever and contact us again. No, they didn't say that. They were super nice about it. They were glad that I was excited. But it's such a specific topic, like what people were writing about, like about their dreams and like thinking about and how people were sleeping while war was going on. Um, it's so in my wheelhouse. I, I'm very excited. Uh, what are you going to read? 
I'm in the middle of Everybody Yoga by Jessamine Stanley. Uh, she uh, is huge on Instagram, but it's sort of all over social media. I first came across her on Instagram, uh, but the book is about how yoga is for everyone. You don't have to be like a um, skinny blonde lady uh, to be able to do yoga or to get the benefits of yoga. She is a uh, she owns the label, so I'm not calling her names. She is a fat black woman. Uh, and the and she's incredibly bold. She takes photos of herself like doing yoga basically in her underwear on Instagram all the time and it, it sets just such an amazing example for the what yoga is really about, about um, knowing who you are and living in peace in your own skin and your own life. And the book is fantastic so far. It mixes uh, essays about her own life with essays about, well, sort of the essays about her life incorporate the learnings of yoga. And then there are great sequences, like explanations of the different basic postures of yoga with um, how to get in and out of those postures, and then some beginning sequences that you can do if you want to start practicing yoga at home. Um, it's really fantastic. There's photos that go along with everything. So it's not just like reading the words of how to get yourself into downward dog, but photos of how to get into that position and how to align your body and sort of what to think about and what to not worry about, um, along with her own story about discovering yoga and what that's done in her life. So I'm really digging it so far. It comes out in a couple of weeks um, and I'll probably talk about it again then. Fantastic. Yeah. So that is our show. Um, that's our show. We survived another week and the spring forward. We'll have some more sleep before next week, which will be helpful for everyone. <laughs> um, don't forget to pre-order your No Lead Type of Stards Carver and Dorham t-shirt from store.bookriot.com by March 24th before those go away. Thank you to Playster for sponsoring. You can open your Playster account now and use the code BOOKRIOT90, all one word, to get a free 90-day trial. And to Why We March, get a copy of that gorgeous book and all the proceeds support Planned Parenthood. If you want to drop a line to us, you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com. If you have a question for us, we're going to do Ask Me Anything for our 100th episode in two weeks. Send that to all the books at bookriot.com as well. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute and you would like to give us a little gift, uh, a rating or a review on iTunes is always appreciated and helps our uh, helps new listeners who are looking for a bookish show find their ways to us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. Uh, I have a rock that I need to throw away outside. So, um, But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.